This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Who are ambiverts? How do they differ from introverts and extroverts? And how do we identify our individual personality type? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. As human beings, we're constantly looking for ways to recharge our batteries. We've all been there, right? Some of us find that energy in curling up at home with a good book. The idea of being in a crowd or at a party might feel like the absolute last thing you want to do. Then there are others who draw energy from being socially stimulated in those crowds or at those parties. Observing what environments trigger a positive, neutral, or negative mental and physical response is key to identifying your individual personality type. It gives us the opportunity to exist in and discover environments where we feel safe and like our most authentic selves. So what other external factors have influence over our personality types? How has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted this? And how does your personality type evolve and change over time? Well, here to talk me through all of this is the Director of Clinical Training at Bay Path University, Dr. Christina Hallett. Dr. Christina joins me now. Dr. Christina, thanks for coming on. I am so happy to be here with you. Well, we are very happy to have you. We are talking about ambiverts today. And to be honest, before this podcast, I didn't know what it was, but I think I am one. So can you just go through who are ambiverts? So can I just tell you that two thirds of people and I'm one of them actually don't really identify as introverts or extroverts and would be sort of like an ambivert. Really? And yes. So if you think of it as a spectrum and I am trying to answer your question, but if you think introversion on one end and all the way to extroversion at the other end, the ambivert is sort of that person in the middle. If you were thinking about it, there's someone, the ambivert, they don't super uh, see themselves aligned with being really extroverted or really introverted. So they might be someone who enjoys other people, but still needs alone time Mm. or they're outgoing in some contexts, but not all. Or they can work independently and enjoy being on a team. So it's. We're also able, by the way, to change and grow throughout our lives. So it's not like you're necessarily born one way and stay that way forever. Oh, okay. Circumstances have a lot to do with it. So let's say that uh, you're born and you're more introverted and then you kind of, you know, it's a common phrase. You're brought out of your shell, maybe in high school and college. Is it ever the opposite? Do people ever start off as an extrovert and then become an introvert? (laughs) you're like i'm over people (laughs) right well so this is really interesting um it can happen because anything can happen right but if you think about it 
um, just thinking about COVID for a minute, we had a lot of extroverted people who were really struggling at the beginning of COVID and shutdowns and not being in communication. But because we're all adaptable, there are some extroverted people who are now more like, meh, you know, I mean, I like to I like to do stuff, but not as much, maybe. Okay, yeah, that I mean, you get used to being at home and not interacting with people and and maybe you kind of finally have the opportunity to take a step back and breathe and be like, you know what, maybe I don't need as much social interaction as I as I thought I did. Um, Right. And it comes down to the extrovert. If you think about it, they're drawing energy from being around people. Mm. But being around can also mean being connected, whereas the introvert is getting their energy from some time alone or reflection or maybe just one or two people. So they're recharging that way with some alone or quiet time. And the extrovert is more uh, enjoying or recharging through having times that they're with other people. Let me ask you this, because you had mentioned that extroverts, they still need their alone time every once in a while. Do they Mm -hmm. recharge in the same way that introverts recharge? Uh, No. Being home alone and all of that. We, We can all benefit from some alone time. It's more, I would say, how much alone time Mm. or enforced alone time. So the extrovert, if they have enforced alone time, they're not recharging. That's not fun, right? They're feeling that they're missing that dopamine that they're getting from interacting with people. So it stresses them out more being home alone because they're like, I should right. be. They're thinking, they're thinking, what if? What if I was out with my friend? Yeah. What, you know, oh, right. I see. You know, FOMO, all of that. Yes. So it, Does anyone even say FOMO anymore? I don't know, right? but it's very real. <laughs> it's it very- is, and, right? And then- it can lead to that sense of like, oh, something's missing in my life, mm-hmm. which is a little different. If the introvert is in the forced social interactions, they're not they miss their alone time, but they're more feeling stressed and drained through having to interact with people when they would really rather be, you know, playing chess with a friend or reading a book. Right. What about, you know, we're so connected nowadays through social media. Do extroverts, do they draw energy from constantly communicating with people on social media or do they have to be in person doing activities with other people? Social media, absolutely. But social media is a dopamine hit all on its own, Mm. right? So dopamine, that feel-good hormone, uh, what we already know from a lot of other research is that every time you're on social media and you're getting a like or a comment, you're getting a dopamine hit. So... Does that um, dopamine... Sorry to interrupt. Does that dopamine hit mean the same thing for an introvert as an extrovert? In the sense of just social media, it does... Right. Because dopamine is dopamine, Mm -hmm. Uh, although the introvert may not be going on as much. Plus, think of it from the introvert's perspective. I can go on social media and see what other people are doing and feel, oh, yeah, I'm up to date without actually having to have a conversation. (laughs) 
It's nice. It, it is. A, it, I, you know, I go back and forth on whether or not I am a fan of social media. I lean towards I'm not a fan of social media. I think it does a lot more harm than good. But mm-hmm. you're right. It's it's the it's the lazy person's way of connecting. But are we truly connected when we're you know communicating through a screen? It's a whole other conversation. It, it, it is right. And yeah. also think texting, because you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that I am much more reluctant to pick up the phone than I am to text. Mm. I'm like, wow, I I didn't think that was true about me. Well, that's why that's why when you go on a first date and you've met somebody and you've never met them in person, maybe someone connected you or maybe you met met on a dating app or something and and you've been texting for months. And then the first time you meet in person, it's a little awkward. And you're like, why is this awkward? We've been talking for months. So it just shows (laughs) that we're not really connected. Right. Right. It, it's a it's a very different kind of connection. And that in-person interaction, and this is really for everybody, we all, to some degree, draw energy and potentially positivity from an interaction with another person. Mm. So it's not that introverts don't or only extroverts do or the ambervert does. If we look across the spectrum, everyone has, we need human connection. But we're built that way. So we already know that's true. It's more how much of it and in what kind of setting. So your introvert does the last thing on their list is, hey, hook me up with a cocktail party with strangers. Mm, That sounds stressful. (laughs) But an an ambivert, though, they're like, okay, that's not such a daunting idea. Maybe it's not like ideal. But once I'm there, I'll be happy. Is that how you would interpret? percent. Okay. And then, yep. Or I'll know one person. Right. So maybe the ambivert goes in and sort of says, OK, I know one person. I can talk to them and they start to relax and then someone else joins a conversation. And the next thing you know, they're having a good time. OK. Yeah. I, I, I identify with that, Doc. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then how when you compare uh, an introvert, an extrovert and an ambivert, how do those personality traits of each person differ? So. We tend to think of the extrovert as really being more outgoing, really preferring to work on teams, talking things out with others, spending time with others, right? So if we think on that spectrum, the ambivert is sort of right in the middle, as I mentioned, like, I want to see people, but I also recognize I need to be alone, Um, outgoing some of the time, more quiet some of the time. And then our introvert, they really enjoy spending time alone, they tend to often be more reserved or work independently or process things in their own head. So, and those are general, very general things. Mm -hmm. But let me give you a couple of questions that you might be saying, am I an ambivert? Let me give you a couple of questions that are sort of indicative of an ambivert or statements. Okay. Okay. I can perform tasks alone or in a group. I don't really prefer either one or the other. Social settings don't make me uncomfortable, but I've got my limit about how much time I want to spend with people. Okay. Being the center of attention is fun, but not all the time. Huh. Some people think I'm quiet. Other people think I'm really social. Oh, that's true for me. And I could, I could. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Right. Um, I don't always need to be moving, but I get bored if I've got too much downtime. Oh, my God, that's me. Okay, yeah. Actually, most of these are me. Uh, (laughs) I can get lost in my own thoughts about as easily as I can get lost in a conversation. That's truth. 
this one is not me. Small talk does not make me uncomfortable, but it does get boring. Oh, I would say, right. This- I, I, I'm just not. I can do it, but in my head, I think, oh, I can't do small talk. Doesn't so small eat- talk, isn't that um, awkward for everyone? It is. <laughs> there's, there's no getting around that. Uh, virtually everyone doesn't look forward to the concept of small talk, but I think the the closer you are to an extrovert, the easy it is to have what is not necessarily a meaningful communication. Got it. Would you say, um, so I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about this. So an extrovert is really good. Like I'm thinking about my roommate. They're really good at connecting with people and remembering things about people. And they're very social. Um, And introverts though, they, since they kind of take an introspective look, they can be very thoughtful and thought provoking. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is there any analysis that shows that an introvert or an extrovert or an ambivert is better at truly connecting with others than one or the other? So I'll give you an example from sales, right? Because the common thinking used to be, hey, if you want a fabulous salesperson, you get an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Right. Not true. Really? Actually want an ambivert because the ambivert, that person who can sort of do both sides of that, uh, they can be enthusiastic and assertive and engaging and connecting. But they're also going to really listen and not be overly confident and want that more introverted type of closer to meaningful connection. That's super fascinating because it's true. It, it, you know, introverts are really good at listening because they don't mm-hmm. like to talk a lot. Uh, maybe that's yeah. maybe I'm overgeneralizing there, but the uh, introverts that I know kind of, they, they really listen. Uh, that's, that's okay. So then what job is good for an introvert and what good, what job is good for an extrovert if sales is for an ambivert? Well, So, again, it sort of depends on what the situation is um, and and all of the other components. But um, so sales might be good for an ambivert, as I just said, that's Mm -hmm. an example. But I'll tell you. Right. So I'm a psychologist. I think it's a pretty good profession for an ambivert Hmm. because I talk to people all the time (laughs) and then I get to go home and recharge quietly and sometimes say to my husband, please don't talk to me. I just need to be quiet. Is your husband an extrovert or an introvert or is he an ambivert as well? He, ah, so he's one of those, remember I told you it can be situational. Uh So um, he is a retired uh, deputy major from working in corrections. Hmm. So he was someone who really looked extroverted, but I think is more introverted overall. Okay. And as you mentioned, it can always change too. Maybe exactly. Maybe you're in a very social job for a long time, and then you want to recharge in a different way. Um, exactly. It's so sorry, your introvert might be somebody who has uh, they work on a, a small team or independently in an organization. They're given uh, lots of time to do sort of let's say maybe even project management or thoughtful work on something. Um, It certainly could be something in the arts. Um, But at the same time, you could have an introvert who is a phenomenal teacher. Because 
That's the role that they're going to do. And they really thrive in that role of sharing knowledge and helping people learn. And then that's most of their social time. Right. Well, I wouldn't have guessed that because teachers do. They talk a lot. They have to present in front of classes. They have to Mm -hmm. communicate. But you're right. They also do have to listen and they they probably do have a lot of knowledge because a lot of introverts do like to read and learn and do those types of things. Right. Um, So we don't want to. It's so easy to just say, oh, well, I'm a blank and therefore I should go do thus and such career. Because realistically, what we want to say are what are the elements of the particular job and tasks I'm going to be doing? And how does that fit with the amount of energy that I have and I'm willing to expend in the course of my work life? What I want to get to external factors and how people develop as uh, one of these three types, because Mm -hmm. I'm. When I go back and, um, you know, I explore how I got to where I am today, I I was so shy growing up in, in grade school, school and high school, but I was always an athlete. And so, you know, I was the captain of the volleyball team, so I had to communicate with people. And then I, I got into this job where it's all about communication. And anyone who knows me from my childhood, have they're so surprised that I'm doing a job in TV because they were like, you are were the shyest kid that I've ever met in my life. And then I'm thinking my parents really did a great job at forcing me out of my comfort zone. And so I think where I was an introvert when I was younger, I developed into more of an ambivert because I had to force myself to have these conversations and to present in front of people and and, uh, know that a lot of people are watching. So how do people develop into what they eventually become? That was a really good explanation of how someone might change. And I just want to tell you that I identify with a lot of it. All because right. if you We'd look be at good pictures, friends, Dr. Christina. Right. <laughs> we are so there. If you look at pictures of me when I was young, I'm the one in the back sort of looking down. Mm-hmm. Right? Very shy. I'll tell you what, though. I think about it a little differently now, because when I look back and I think, why was I shy? In my case, anyway, I think I didn't have a good sense of self-confidence. I also, my dad was a phys ed teacher and a coach, and I was an athlete in middle school and high school. And that really increased some of that self-confidence and self-assuredness. And then I went on in this field. That's great because I could really help other people. The focus wasn't on me. So it became even easier to do that. But I also had to literally train myself to go into a store and ask someone for help. And for me, it was because there was some part of me that felt like they're going to think less of me that I have to ask for help. And so when we think about how we were when we were younger, I also think we have to think about what were some of the factors behind that. Right? So in my case, like I said, I didn't have as much of that self-confidence or self-assuredness that I actually took steps to learn to do by practicing doing those things. And then I found it was really easier and I decided it's way easier to ask for what you need than to try and just wander around aimlessly and <laughs> waste your time. So that's a great point. That's a great point. Easier said than done, but a great point. Well, right. So it literally was a decision. Hey, here's a thing I want to be able to do. So how am I going to do that? And similarly, I used to be uncomfortable giving a presentation, let's say at a staff meeting. And now I 
actually travel around the world giving keynote speeches to large groups of people. And I love it. That I I will say it is a little off topic, but giving a speech is probably the most terrifying thing of all time. Like I can I can do stuff on TV and be like, okay, people are watching at home, but to see everyone's faces looking at you, I don't know. You're gonna have to teach me well, your I tricks. Guess. So I'm gonna tell you that that is a the number one fear, at least in the U.S., of people when you look at things that they're afraid of. Public speaking is number one. It just causes Wild. so much anxiety. Did for me too. But if you remember that you're just having a conversation with people, then you can see all those faces and you can look at someone and sort of smile and they smile at you and they're like, look, we're happy because we're using some of those social cues. Mm. And so I think that TV sounds harder because I don't see anyone. So like I can't judge by someone's reaction (laughs) if I'm funny or boring. So as we for all of this perspective and how we're approaching the situation has a lot to do with it. And so when I talk about how do we see ourselves, how do we see the situation, what's our understanding and, and what are our goals and the attributions towards ourself that we're making. Mm. Right. So if, if you're going to go on TV and be like, yeah, cause you know what, like this is really fun or this is cool. Or I get to share information with people and you feel like you're doing something of meaning then it doesn't become scary or uncomfortable because you have a a purpose and a meaning to what you're doing. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I'm kind of interested because you had mentioned maybe when you were younger, you lacked the self-confidence and that's why you didn't want to, you know, do these things or ask someone for help, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But then I also am curious about, you know, people who are introverts and, um, you know, are very, they're just happy being themselves a lot of times. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of self-confidence too, because if you are, are, you know, comfortable being in silence, for instance, with somebody that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's you're, you're just like, oh, whatever. I don't really care what this person thinks of me. So it's kind yes. of it's it's funny to think about. Well, so that's the thing, because that person's not shy. That person may be reserved, but uh, not shy. Yeah, like reserved, shy. I also think um, an introvert. Is that the same thing as a hermit or is a hermit a more extreme version of an introvert? Uh, Hermits at the far end of the introvert. Okay. See, <laughs> so many and, words. Right. Well, and if we think about the hermit for a second, what I would want to know is, hmm, like, what's the reason for that? Mm. Right. It might be, let's say I want to be a contemplative monk and therefore I'm sort of hermiting and never interacting with anyone. But other than that, have I been hurt by other people, felt let down or betrayed by other people, um, have issues with trust? don't have connections, don't know how to make connections. So I might be hermiting 
to protect myself, not necessarily because that's what I want to do and feels good. Right. Oh, I I didn't think about that because, you know, my mind immediately goes to it has to have some in part. It has to do with your genes. You know, how are your Mm -hmm. parents genetically speaking? But then if parents have multiple kids, you do see personalities differ from kid to kid. Right. But, you know, everyone's kind of growing up in the same environment, in the same household. So how does that happen? (laughs) So, well, we know that that our whole gene expression is a thing on its own, right? So it's Mm -hmm. even when we have kids, so I have a younger brother, so we don't have the exact same genes, but uh, definitely um, I would say comparatively, I am more outgoing than my brother is from a natural perspective. Although I didn't see myself that way. Mm -hmm. That was the lack of confidence, but you know, when we got to sort of midlife and let's say things were equaled out, he can be super interactive and outgoing. But generally speaking, I'm probably just more comfortable and casual about it. Mm. Same environment, but slightly different interests, slightly different experiences. So at one point we were both lifeguards and he really enjoyed teaching kids to swim And I really liked walking up and down the beach and chatting with the different people who were at the beach. Ah, different uses for the same job. (laughs) Exactly. And and showing some different aspects to our personalities as well. Uh, Last question I want to ask you, Dr. Christina, does your personality change uh, depending on who you're around or are like is an introvert always an introvert and extrovert always an ambivert always, you know? Oh, that's a really good question. And absolutely, uh, if you think level of comfort, Mm -hmm. you can certainly see a change, right? So minimally, um, the introvert who's with the five people that they feel closest to can be appear far more extroverted Ah. because it's for a limited amount of time and it's everyone they trust. And it's a really, it's the right setting. It's not a big nightclub. It's a family dinner or something like that. The extrovert can obviously be in a situation where they're potentially feeling less comfortable or less certain about what they're doing and tend to be more quiet or just not having a good day. Um, But it's also true that the person that we're interacting with can pull for different aspects of ourselves, because truthfully, I think that most of us are slightly different depending on the situation we're in, even though we're the same person we are all the time. So I don't mean faking something, but just various situations bring out different aspects of us ourselves. Hmm. I lied. I have one more question based off of what you said. Um, do do but I think of like romantic relationships and maybe friendships. Are there different personality types that work better with one another? Um, like, can an introvert be with an extrovert or is that going to be a contentious relationship if it goes long term? Mm. So they can if they have really good communication and sort of their scheduling and negotiation of a relationship matches up. Right. So if the extroverted partner has, I don't know, they're in clubs or activities or things like that, and they're doing that while the introverted partner is at home or maybe they play in a band, something like that, that can be a great match because there's a balance. 
if the extroverted partner is like, hey, I want to be with you at the club all the time, that's that's not going to fly because the introverted person is going to be like, you know, you know, I'm more of a homebody, right? Like I get a migraine with strobilites or whatever it might be. So there can be ways. But remember, I said in the beginning, about two thirds of people identify more closely as ambivert. So you're not necessarily taking a huge risk when you start to get to know someone in a potential dating relationship, because there's a 66% chance that they may be sort of ambivert too. That's a good point. Yeah. Like a good mix because I, now that we've had this conversation, I'm, I'm just, I don't know if I know too many true, true introverts or true, true ex. I feel like most people kind of yep. fall in, in the middle, which is an ambivert, obviously. Uh, yeah. So I want to tell you one thing that I just thought of because I this may resonate with you. Yeah, it completely resonated with me. This is what I mean about being an ambivert. Someone can ask me to do something in the future. and I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Oh, I can't wait. That sounds really good. And then the closer it gets, my more introverted side might be like, oh. Why did I agree to do this? What was I thinking? And I might even want to not do it or cancel. And then I do the thing that I said yes to. And I'm like, oh, no, I actually really enjoyed this. And then I want to go home and recharge quietly. Yes, absolutely. One hundred thousand percent. That is me. And then it's like you you it's such like an internal tug of war because you're like, I don't yes. want to go. And then you go and you're like, oh, I'm happy. But now I want to go home and I want to recharge. And it's like it's very complicated. Yes. So what we're getting. So for that large percentage of us who are more in the ambivert range, mm-hmm. we're pretty well able to adapt to contexts and situations. Okay. That's really good news. But it also means like the example that we just talked about. Sometimes we can overcommit (laughs) because we're we're thinking that it's going to be fun and we might need to learn how to uh, say no to some things or to know what some of those boundaries are. And then we also have to remember that just canceling because we don't feel like it in the moment is not always the right answer. Yeah. Oftentimes it's like going to the gym where you're like, I don't want to go. I'm tired. Blah, blah, blah. And then you go and you're like, oh, I feel so fantastic. And the very next time you're supposed to go to the gym, you're like, no, I don't want to. I've never regretted going to the gym, but I've always regretted the time leading up to the gym. (laughs) Wasting so much time. (laughs) Exactly. And so we can also train ourselves and develop habits. So we begin to recognize, oh yeah, this is what I always do. Mm -hmm. I always think it'll be good, then second guess myself, but then go and it's okay. Yeah, well, you probably know this best. You can literally change your brain chemistry based off of your thoughts. I mean, rewiring your brain is a a real thing. So it makes sense why you can, you know, change, change from one personality trait to the other. Absolutely. And so one of the things I say to people is you literally need to make a decision to do something Mm -hmm. and then act on it. And once you say, okay, here's a plan of action. I've decided I'm going to do this. And then you carry it out. You're putting together some important uh, brain hormones and neurotransmitters, but specifically dopamine and glutamate. And so when you keep repeating that same action, we were talking about going to the gym, but it could be anything. 
each time you repeat it saying, I've made this decision and then take the action, what you're doing is you're creating ultimately enough dopamine to be released ahead of time, which you actually understand as motivation. So you create motivation through deciding, taking the action and repeating it over and over again. I love that. That is, you said a lot of great things on this podcast, but that was one of my favorite things that you said, because it is true. We make a decision. And I think if anyone is just listening to this part, um, you know, making a decision and acting on it doesn't only, only just help yourself through what you were saying, your, your dopamine, um, you know, you're also helping other people because then you're, yes. you're not flake and you're a better person and, and that whole thing. So, uh, Dr. Christina, I appreciate you coming on and your insight and hope to have you back on. Absolutely. I would love to talk anytime. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways from my conversation with Dr. Christina. Number one, extroverts draw energy from being around people and being connected. Introverts find energy in recharging. Ambiverts are a mix between the two. Which brings me to my second takeaway. Dr. Christina says that two-thirds of people don't identify as either an introvert or an extrovert. So the majority of people are actually ambiverts. Go figure. And number three, there are some misconceptions about each personality. For example, Dr. Christina says common thinking used to be if you want a good salesperson, choose an extrovert. But actually, you want an ambivert because they can do both sides of it. They can be enthusiastic and engaging, but will also really listen and not be overly confident. Thanks so much for listening. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.